Welcome to the Next Gen Marketing Podcast, where we feature top execs and influencers blazing new trails in consumer engagement, content strategy, digital media, and brand design. And now, here's your host, Andre Najjar. Hi, everyone. I hope everyone is having a great week. I am thrilled to present to you a fascinating discussion that I just had with Kurt Marvis, who is the founder and CEO of Q Media, one of the leading influencer networks in India. As you might know, the India market represents over 1.6 billion people with over 400 million active users on social media, which is double that of the U.S., Also, these users spend an average of four hours per day on social media, which is also double that of the U.S. So as you can see, this represents an amazing opportunity for marketers. In this episode, Kurt takes us on a virtual tour of the India marketplace, discusses some of its nuances, and helps us understand how marketers can effectively connect with this audience. Enjoy the episode. So, Kurt, welcome to the podcast. We're so excited to have you. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to put me on here. Yeah. So, I know you and I were talking a little bit briefly earlier about Q Media, and I'm really interested um, to learn more about it for a couple reasons. I'd love for you to describe for my audience what Q does, and then also I'd love to talk about the TV station in India and just learn more about that as well. Okay. Sure. Um, well, our business started actually about seven years ago um, with an initial thesis, I guess I'll call it, that short form video content, um, both in terms of format, in terms of the talent that was in front of the camera, and in terms of the talent that was behind the camera making these, at that time, really mainly YouTube videos, mm-hmm. um, was what any you know, young audience was going to be attracted to on a go forward basis forevermore. And, you know, short films have always kind of been like a niche uh, part of the film industry. But but we saw this as not being niche. We saw this as being mainstream. And as I said, at that time, it was really YouTube back in 2013. Mm -hmm. And part of what the business was built upon was the curation and packaging and redistribution of a lot of that content. The name actually, Q-Y-O-U, Q-U, comes from the concept of we were going to queue up for you the best YouTube videos. Ah, gotcha. That's where the name comes from. Okay. And and what happened was, is right as that was all going on was when Facebook was changing to video, Instagram video was happening, Snap was starting. This is long before TikTok was ever part of the you know commonplace uh, stuff and basically just short form video content was overwhelming us on our smartphones and computers, et cetera, et cetera. So the company QU Media was built on the idea that there was a curation play, the uh, business, I guess you'll say around this because there's such an immense amount of content that's being published yeah. across all these platforms on a daily basis. And the second part of it was was that brands and advertisers would want to align with certain segments of that content that reach certain communities. So if you're trying to reach, you know, 14 to 20 year old women that like fake eyelashes and press on nails, Mm -hmm. then you could create programming that was targeted at that audience that might include uh, influencers and creators 
from several different channels or even platforms, et cetera, put that into one program, put the advertiser next to it. And that was what, uh, that's really what our business is, is, is all about. So as far as like, when you talk about short form content, like what particular formats do you guys focus on? I mean, I know you're a multi-platform cross-platform, but like what specific formats, like, are you looking at like, you know, micro content? Are you looking at, yeah, tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I mean, and this goes back to really when we started the idea and the first part of our process was creating uh, a television channel Mm -hmm. and a linear channel. And people really question that. It's funny. That was about the same time that Pluto started. That was before Tubi TV was around. And people were like, linear channel. What are you talking about? Those are dead. And, you know, they've since kind of resurrected themselves out of the, the so-called AVOD or, or free ad supported television space. But so what we did, I have a long history with MTV from mm-hmm. the 80s and 90s. If you think of the early original MTV stringing together music videos, we were stringing together um, various uh, pieces of content that were coming from what I call social video mm-hmm. and short form social video. And so it would be typical to what you would think of on a TV channel. We had stuff that was about fashion and makeup. We have shows that are music oriented. We have shows that might be comedy or uh, oriented. We have things that could be travel oriented. So it was really kind of a general entertainment channel, stringing this stuff together, but putting it into formats that for lack of a description were more show-like. So the example I typically use is, Imagine if there were three or four different Instagram or uh, YouTube uh, chefs that were all cooking and we licensed content from them. And this was this particular show was, you know, four different ways to cook curry, curry chicken. And we would put that together and create it into one integrated show. And then if you were an advert, if you were interested in, in cooking, you'd watch a 12, 15, 18 minute show that was four different ways to cook curry. And if you were an advertiser who was looking to reach people that were interested in cooking content and food shows, et cetera, then you'd be able to target that audience against it. That's kind of a quick way to describe what we do. And then tell me a little bit about sort of what you've evolved into, because obviously the landscape has changed, especially even over the last year. And I want to learn more about your business units as far as U.S. versus India and kind of what you focus on in each of the markets. Okay, so that idea, that core and central idea, we executed against. And at one point in the company's history, we had an English language television channel playing in 35 countries. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought that was a success, but then we realized that it wasn't a success. Right. It was that we had 35 countries we were in and none of them were really succeeding because they were too small, et cetera, et cetera. Or our distribution wasn't there. And also, more importantly, we found out that the young audiences that we were going for were interested in the influencers that were in their own home territory. So if they're a U.S. kid, they want you, you know, they want Addison Ray and mm-hmm. Logan Paul. If they're in India, they couldn't care less about Addison right. Ray and Logan Paul. They've got their own Indian influencers they're following. So we, we, we sort of backtracked and we said, look, the original concept seems like it has, you know, value and, and, and you create a real business, but mm-hmm. we're stretched way too far and thin. Let's only concentrate on one or two places. Well, we picked one place, which was India. Mm-hmm. And India is an incredible uh uh, vast opportunity for media and entertainment. There's an incredible social 
uh, uh, following of, of Indian youth. I mean, there's in India alone, there are 650 million people under the age of 25. So, you know, it's just, it's incredible. And um, so we decided to target India as a market. We had a partner there for the channel that was originally just the English language channel, but we said, let's mm -hmm. turn something that really has got people from uh, uh, creators from India, content from India, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and that's what we focused on here in the U S we actually went a slightly different direction. We had a very large portfolio of influencers and creators that we were dealing with. And as you know, you, you obviously know there was an, there was then an emerging and what's become a very, very large business around so-called influencer marketing. I mean, when mm -hmm. at that time, they weren't necessarily even called influencers. They were just called creators back then. But it evolved into an influencer marketing business, which is basically using that talent to create content that promotes other people's brands and services. So what happened with the company is when we kind of reformed and resurrected the business about two and a half, three years ago now, we created two separate divisions, one here in the U.S., which is all about influencer marketing and creating content mm -hmm. that supports different brands. Primarily, that's been to date around theatrical motion pictures and motion picture studio content, although we're expanding beyond that now. And in mm -hmm. India, we executed and are executing against the original idea, which is we started with right. a television channel. And now that's offered across OTT platforms, mobile platforms, mobile apps reaching about 700 million people there at this point. So some quick India facts for my audience that I had done some research on. The population is obviously immense. It's 1.4 billion people. And just to compare that with the U.S., U.S. has 330 million people, um, 400 million users on social media, which is actually 60% more than the U.S. Um, that number has increased over 48% in 2020. And also what's interesting is in the U.S., the average user spends about two hours on social media, but in India, they spend up to four hours daily on social media. So, you know, obviously this is the reason why I wanted to have you on the episode because India is an immense opportunity. And I know you guys have had some recent news and just some developments. And I'd love to learn more about the influencer marketing market in India and how it's similar, how it's different. I know you talked about the influencers themselves being different, but what are some trends that you see um, for influencer marketing in India? Well, I mean, the, you know, the, the well, Facebook and Instagram, just as an example, their largest territory outside the United States is India. Uh, TikTok, before it was banned by the Indian government because of political strife between China and India, when TikTok was growing in India, it was the fastest growing country in the world and the most important country in the world for TikTok outside wow. of, of the United States. And um, the, the, the bottom line is, is that India kind of jumped over uh, uh, the internet and, and broadband to some extent and went from television to mobile phones. Wow. Smartphone growth is, expl is exploding there. And if you're in India, you know, everybody's got a cell phone, everybody's staring right. at their cell phone. And there's a company called Geo TV in India that started only about four years ago and now has about 400 million mobile phone subscribers in India. One of the tr chief drivers for that company's growth is the fact that they offer mobile video. Uh, mm -hmm. both to smartphone users and even to feature phones. So the bottom line is, is that India is, um, it's the fastest growing company, a country in the world in terms of the consumption 
of social video and social media. And so for what we're doing as a company and building a business revolving around that, I mean, they're just, you know, there literally couldn't be a more important territory for us to be in right now. So, you know, I know you and I had spoken a little bit earlier also about how different the country is. Like within the country, there's a lot of languages and cultural styles and just the diversity. Like how does that impact and affect what you guys do? Does it mean more local style influencers, like micro influencers? Like tell me a little bit about just because within India, how different it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, of those 1.4 billion people, about 650 million of them are, are uh, their first language is Hindi. And there's probably another 200 or so million that speak Hindi. So, you know, you're talking about maybe two thirds of the population of India. You can approach with the language with, with Hindi as your language. So mm-hmm. all of the stuff that we're doing in India right now is is in Hindi. We're we're what's called a Hindi general entertainment channel in terms of our television presence there. Mm-hmm. Um, that with that said, there are I think I've forgotten the exact number. I want to say thirty to thirty five different language groups wow. in India, and some of those Tamil, Telugu. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there are others, they, they can have, you know, 70, 80, over a hundred million native speakers of that language. Right. Well, th- those are the, those are the populations of, you know, major European countries. Right. Um, and so when you think of a, you know, Spain or Germany or Italy or whatever, you're talking about populations that rival that in language groups in India. So India is a very diverse country. We're actually looking maybe this year, if not this year, then definitely next year, launching a, uh, a new channel or two that will be the same sort of format as what we do in Hindi right now in India, um, but will be targeted uh, to a different language group as their native tongue. So probably will be Tamil or Telugu will be the next mm-hmm. one that we'll do. In addition to that, you know, the influencer market there, it's I wouldn't say it's dissimilar to what it is here. There are some major, major influencers, um, maybe not Kardashian level, but right. again, more like what I would say an Addison Ray or, a, you know, a, a, a big YouTuber or yep. something like that. Um, but there's also, you know, a vast number of smaller communities and micro communities. And we're just starting to scratch the surface, frankly, on targeting those right now. Yeah, you know, I know you and I had talked a little bit about how there's so many differences, not just within language, cultural styles and cuisine, but also urban and rural. And almost like this idea that digitally, that could potentially lead to even more consumer tribes, right? Because you've got sort of your overarching influencers. But then when you're looking at like the US market, for example, we have, you know, such popularity with the micro influencers, and even now the nano influencers, you know, people like you and I that might only have, you know, a few hundred followers with our friends. Like, tell me a little bit about sort of where you guys are taking the influencer marketing piece in India. Like, are, I, I know I know you guys are just starting to scratch the surface, but if you could kind of fill us in a little bit more, that would be great. Sure. I mean, you know, what, what's happening on influencer marketing in India is really actually spawned from what we do here. Uh, Glenn Ginsberg, who runs the U.S. influencer marketing business, has, he's been in that business before they called it influencer marketing. Mm-hmm. And, um we've created some systems and processes and capabilities where I would argue that we've become 
I guess I'll use the word experts mm-hmm. at aligning the right artists against the right community. And so part of we, we don't represent any um, we don't represent uh, specific talent. So we can use talent here in the U.S. from anywhere. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Mm-hmm. And so we're, we're very we, we sort of pride ourselves on being able if you've got a you know, movie or a product or whatever it might be, that's trying to reach a specific target group, we sort of pride ourselves on being able to penetrate that community very, very effectively. Well, that capability has been and continues to be, as we speak, transferred to our team in India, mm-hmm. where we're, we've got actually, we're starting to build a more diverse portfolio even of customers in India because they're using a lot of the techniques that we've used here in the U.S. over the last three years that they're starting to adopt to be able to deliver what I would call what you're talking about, more micro communities, right. more targeted communities of users. I mean, you know, India in general, I would say it's a sort of a very general comment, but I mean, part of what India is all about is operating at scale. Mm-hmm. You know, because that's the, the, the each each person, each dollar, I mean, is worth less. But, you know, if you've got 200 million people who are watching, then you're oper- you could you could have a smaller CPM or cost per right. view or whatever it is. Right. But you're operating at scale at a scale that you can't get anywhere else. Um, and so we kind of are doing both. Frankly, we're doing both. But the, the learnings of how we operate the business for, for us, the. I've kind of, you know, learned along the way that while there's the, there are these uber sized influencers, the most effective stuff is when you can drill down and get into the people, you know, it is about trust and authenticity. And so, you know, do you want to get a person who's only got 50,000 followers, but those are mm-hmm. rabid followers, right. follow them every day? Or do you want to get the person who's got 50 million, but the reality is there's only a million of them that really pay attention. So right. we try to go into the former and try to get audiences and communities that are extremely loyal and listen to the, to the influencer that they're dealing with. Is there a crossover between the programming on the TV network and the MCN programming? Like, do you leverage the same talent? Like, tell me a little bit about sort of the TV network and how that plays with the influencer. Well, you know, interestingly, um, um, one of the reasons that we get the level of talent that we get to create the programming for the TV network is that most of these influencers, if not virtually all of them, cannot get their content onto TV. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is, is that um, they just don't have the individual wherewithal to get a show or whatever it right. be on television. And two is, is that TV in India is very regulated. There's, there's what's called standards and practices there. And, and literally, if you have a scene where you're showing someone riding a motorcycle, um, even if they got a helmet on, you got to put something at the bottom of the screen on India that says riding motorcycles may, you know, are, is dangerous and might kill you. Ah, got it. And so everything that we were set up to clear, we, we, we clear everything that you have to do that if you're going to be mm-hmm. a broadcast channel there. So we, we clear everything that goes onto our channel. So effectively in a strange way, we're almost like a clearinghouse for, uh, for online creators to get their content onto television. Yeah. And, um, uh, as a result of that, we get some really, really high, high quality, high quality content that we, that we put out conversely on 
the OTT and mobile apps and other places where we exist. It's about being part of a content offering where it's, you're just not, you know, sort of out there on YouTube with 47 other billion channels that you're competing against. You're to get onto these platforms, you're in sort of a select group of content that's being offered. So we, we do that as well. How far in advance do you guys plan the programming then? Is it sort of like, you know, I mean, I came from full screen. I know you and I talked about that. Like how, how far in advance are you guys planning out your TV programming versus your, I guess, well, I guess your brand programming would be ongoing, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it, it depends a little, I mean, there's a number of factors, but I guess what I would say is on the one hand, we can change things, you know, virtually immediately and mm -hmm. if you wanted to, but um, I mean, for example, on, on this Thursday, uh, hopefully not auspiciously April 1st, um, <laughs> but um, uh, we're launching on a platform India called Free Dish. And okay. um, they, um, uh, they just announced today, actually, they have 40 million users. And those 40 million users watch wow. a ton of television, but they're wow. primarily in rural India. So we're doing a huge amount of and in what they call second tier two and tier three cities in India, which means not the mega, mega metropolises. Yeah. And, and so what they watch, we're, we literally have people out in the field right now as we speak. It's one in the morning there, so probably not right now. But I mean, literally on a daily basis right now, mm -hmm. doing focus group testing all over rural India with our programming. And right. we're doing that testing to try to find out what they're responding to and what they're not uh, responding to, because it's different than the rural, than, excuse me, than the urban Indian person. Yeah. You know, it's, 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 again, what I say is what a person watches in, you know, uh, uh, the middle of Oklahoma in a small right. town is different. They both might watch, you know, NFL football or something, but if they're watching mm -hmm. program or they might watch the voice but there's a different sensibility to that person yeah. in terms of the content that they're attracted to than the, the, the 18 or 20 year old kid who's growing up in midtown Manhattan. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about like platforms and specifically, you know, I know a lot of marketers really favor influencer marketing nowadays, at least in the U S because you're getting the creative, you're getting the production, you're getting the media platform sort of, all wrapped in this nice economic, you know, package. And then also you can create the digital funnel into e-commerce in a lot of cases. Is it a similar model in India? Like, are you, do, first of all, do the influencers do all of the different levels of production? Like, do they have, do they have resources or is it pretty like homespun as far as the content goes? And then also like on the commerce side, like how do people transact or what are the brand marketers looking for? Well, I think, you know, in terms of the production, I mean, look, Bollywood has been in existence right. for a, a long, long time. And I think, you know, you'd be pretty surprised to find that the level of production talent and filmmaking talent that Indians are used to seeing is, you know, pretty substantial. Sorry, there goes the yeah. fire truck. Um, That's okay. <laughs> and, um, um, and, and so India has, a, I would say, a high quality uh, capability for content. Right. And I think that's translated itself into the so-called YouTubers and digital content creator community. And they all have, you know, 4K cameras or they have access to that kind of stuff, et cetera. So I think you'd find the content quality to be 
you know, pretty much and maybe a little bit lower level because they just don't spend as much money, but pretty much on par with what you'd be used to seeing in a in a sort of a North American or European uh, social video uh, uh, content style. In terms of transactional, look, I think, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently about what's happening in China right now. With yeah. Transactional video. Uh, mm-hmm. India is, trust me, India's got their eyes every day on China and what's happening there. <laughs> there's actually a yeah. lot of the China, there's actually a lot of Chinese investment capital going into India right now. Into India. Because they yeah. see that as kind of the, the same frontier that China was at 10 years ago or 15 years ago. So I think you're going to see a major amount of transaction mm-hmm. uh, capability happen over the next couple of years. Um, you know, generally, it's it still has levels at which it has part, half the country that's still sort of quote unquote third world, and so things happen a bit more slowly there. But 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 definitely transactional video and influencers forming a direct uh, transactional relationship with their followers—it's already starting to happen there. Yeah, and I was going to ask: Do you find that most of your clients over there, from the brand perspective, are multinationals or? I mean, I would imagine there's got to be a lot of clients that are just from India, from a brand yeah, perspective. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, look, you've got companies like Google and Facebook and Amazon right. and Netflix that are there. But no, I mean, uh, the, the local, I mean, India, Tata, which is one of the world's biggest companies, is an Indian company. Oh, they've mm-hmm. got all sorts of different mm-hmm. services there. Um, it's a mixture of both. You've got major Indian companies that are local to the Indian market that are big advertisers. And you've got uh, multinationals like uh, like a Google or a Microsoft or whatever that are also, you know, very large brands and very well known there. So uh, it is, it's going to be interesting to see what happens, happens with Apple in India because, you know, there's still a heavy, heavy, heavy Android centric yeah. uh population i don't know what it is now but it was you know 97 percent android three percent uh ios so it'll be interesting to see how that sort of transitions over the next decade is india a company characterized by us envy like when you go to europe you know you see a lot of like american brands like knowing not that much about the indian market like is it a market that tends to look at the us as far as both entertainment and commerce or is it a market that kind of looks more to China. I think it's actually both. I think, um, um, look, India knows that it has, I mean, India's got uh, uh, great technology and mines and, and, and uh, India's, you know, India's educationally, everything's picking up. I mean, sort of mm-hmm. like uh, China that started sending so many of their students to get U.S. educations, whether they were at Harvard or Stanford or UCLA or USC or wherever it might have been. Right. I mean, India has been doing the same thing for quite some time. So I think I think from a competitive next step basis, I would say India looks more at China. I think from mm-hmm. a um, sort of aspirational point of view of what they want to be, I'd say it's more the U.S. Interesting. Huh. And then what do you guys have on deck like coming up? Obviously, you've been through so many different interesting evolutions, just even given your background, you know, of of like sort of youth culture. How do you guys see sort of the next year or two looking for both the U.S. and the India businesses? As I said, we we went, uh, 
you know, the expression I always use is we went 10 miles wide and two inches deep, and now we're going two inches wide and 10 miles deep. That's the best <laughs> analogy I've been able to come up yeah, with. Yeah, that's and, great. And one inch of that is India, or maybe an inch and a half of that is India, and the other half inch is, is U.S., I don't know. But they're, they're both they're, – they, these are two extraordinary business opportunities. Mm-hmm. India is massive. It's growing it, by leaps and bounds. The next mm-hmm. 10 years in India are going to see a complete cultural revolution continue there, a technology revolution continue there, a media revolution continue there, and a mm-hmm. massive growth of the, of the country economically, educationally, and otherwise. So there is more than enough fertile ground in India, and, 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 and we have a whole team there, and it's not run by me here in Los Angeles. It's, I mean, I, I oversee everything, but, I, right. but I, the, the, the decisions about sort of what happens on a day-to-day basis are made by people who live and breathe and are, are Indian. So we, just, we see it as a limitless opportunity there, and I do look at it as a, on a 10-year horizon. I mean, for me, it's like, wow let's see where we're at in 2030 in India. It's going to be so cool to see how we've evolved and grown and hopefully become one of the most important youth brands in the country, you know, over, over that time period here in the U S uh, influencer marketing and, and transactionally based marketing, as you were just noting with influencers, mm-hmm. I mean, that is going to be massive in terms right. of how it's going to grow and change. Even just during the COVID lockdown period, I think the impact of, you know, Instagram and TikTok and Snap has grown in terms of of, of the, the people realizing the brand impact, the marketing impact, the impact of the people that are on those platforms. So we see an equally huge opportunity for our influencer marketing team here. And and we're we're hiring more people as we speak and looking to grow that business substantially going forward as well. Yeah, it does seem to be like, you know, especially when you're looking at COVID, there's been some really interesting like direct to fan innovations as far as like, you know, obviously Patreon's always existed, but just ways to kind of get product services and just even exclusive content to different fan bases. I do see that growing, you know, it's almost like, especially with the larger influencers, they're their own like kind of media empires. So it'll be interesting to see how they mature and evolve. Yeah, totally, totally. And it's, it's, um, you know, it's, it's only going to go one direction from my point of view, which is up. I mean, look, we all know that at some point in time, it's already happening on TV where they do the split screen and the commercials running on one side and the content continues to run on the other and any number of ways that where they're trying to get around the departure of people from the 32nd traditional TV ad, same thing's going to happen with all of this. I mean, it blows my mind still that you can watch a, one and a half minute clip online and get a 30 second pre-roll before that and you know one third of the programming that you're 25 percent of the program time you're watching is a commercial which seems insane to me and so people are not going to accept that people are going to have to find more clever ways than a 30 second pre-roll on a one minute long video clip uh to to keep people's attention and so that's 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 the exciting part of what's happening and by the way that's here in the u.s it's everywhere in the world and it includes india yeah you know it's interesting i'm working on a project with anheuser-busch right now and just looking at the emergence of 5g and just the increased bandwidths i mean the 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 amount of live and interactive content that's on the horizon i mean stuff is going to get very immersive very soon i was going to ask you about that too with india specifically are they a big gaming population huge 
Okay. And PUBG, PUBG is the game that's the biggest game there. Uh, but mobile gaming is taking off in India. Uh, esports is growing there. Yeah, it's 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 a very very fast growing gaming marketplace right now. Kurt, how has COVID been for you guys? Because I would imagine like you're in an in interesting space and in that you're actually providing solutions that, you know, don't necessarily need outside production. Like, did you guys see like a bit of a boom, I would imagine? Well, during COVID? actually, not, not really. I mean, we actually got our ass kicked by COVID last really? year because our influencer marketing business was 90 plus percent driven by theatrical motion pictures here in the U.S. Oh, and so when, yeah, all the theaters right. shut, say that. when all the theaters shut, we had to reinvent ourselves and it took, you know, really six months yeah. to do that. And, you know, hopefully that theatrical business is coming back now and we'll gain the benefit of that while also having other new things that we've created opportunities with in the meantime. So that's one of the reasons. Ironically, now, 12 months later, we see the COVID experience giving us more opportunity going forward. But for the first six months from March to September, it was it was pretty brutal here. Same thing in India. We were just starting to really deliver ad revenue and, and bring brands on to advertising with us. And when COVID hit, everybody pulled their ad spend. Mm. And, and the first thing that goes in those situations are speculative or new ad right. campaigns. And so right. that which is what we were. So we're just starting to recover from that as well. We actually focused on the content. Our ratings have been growing massively in, in India. Uh, we've grown our distribution massively. We've improved the product massively. So we're looking, you know, second half of 2021, um, you know, God willing, not having some weird, you know, variants right. of COVID shut us. <laughs> right, down. right. We're looking forward to it. as that. With that said, our Mumbai office, uh, we just had to shut it down last Friday. There's a big breakout again of COVID in in Mumbai. So hopefully, that's going to be more short lived this time. Yeah, definitely sending positive vibes for that. Thank you. So, Kurt, this is all really amazing information. If you had to give marketers sort of your top three tips forecasting into the future. I mean, obviously we're all anticipating, you know, the markets opening up, content opening up. Like what are, what are some tips that you think marketers can, can use to be more effective in connecting with consumers, both in the U S and in India? Well, I think, you know, the first, the, the first thing I would say is you've got to uh, listen to and pay attention to uh, what your customer base is actually saying and doing online. I mean, there's just an unbelievable amount of information that can be gleaned from the communities that you want to reach if you go inside those communities and see what they're talking about. And, and so, you know, the, the, the amount of data that can be gleaned to help you formulate your campaign or your marketing agenda, it's all out there. You just have to, you know, take the time to find it and, and put the time in to do that. That's number one. Number two is, is that I think that, you know, the world of marketing has been so much driven by mass marketing and Super Bowl ads and reaching 47 billion people, et cetera, et cetera. I think it's the concept of, of the, what, the, what social media really is made up of is thousands and thousands of small communities. And these communities can be like-minded and very powerful and, and can be aligned, but they're all small communities. And if you can tap into the ability to be to resonate and be real with a smaller community, 
it will, you know, it will spawn in and of itself. I mean, it's always kind of the old thing of like, well, can't we make something that goes viral? Well, no, you can't actually do that. But if you do, if you do create something that is exciting and passionately uh, followed with by a, and when I say small community, it might be millions of people, but not hundreds of millions. Mm -hmm. That's when it can break out and become mainstream. And so that's kind of what we try to do both in India and in our influencer marketing business here in the U.S. is is make sure that like if this is, you know, let's make work something work great for a million people in the community. And that can be the spark that can make it go everywhere and work all over. A hundred percent. It's like that level of, of knowledge and intimacy that creates that stickiness. Cause right now there's so much content out there. It's like, how do you break through? You know, I mean, obviously you can make break through with, with tons of frequency, but that might not be the most cost efficient. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, Kurt, this has been amazing. I know my audience is going to be really excited to hear just even the, the fewest of tidbits about India, just because I know we're all you know really watching that market. Um, I'm going to go ahead and leave um, all of your guys' social links in the show notes. But thank you so much again. We really enjoyed speaking today. Yeah, well, thank you. I really appreciate it. The podcast is awesome and uh, uh, happy to uh, answer any other questions or whatever that come up and hoping 2021 is going to be a great year for everybody. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get this podcast. And follow us on social media for top marketing tips from our guests.